people of God say amen again. Uh, we are, are truly blessed to be here on Lord's Day. Uh, we are excited. Uh, as Brother Hamilton stated earlier, we are uh, excited and eagerly anticipating uh, our return to fellowship. Uh, I know you guys are like me. You've been pent up. And uh, it is pushing us uh, to yearn for the presence of our brothers and sisters in Christ to fellowship uh, once again. Um, to those who are visiting or who have tuned in on this morning, we want to extend a welcome to you to the Mountain View congregation. I'll let you know that you are our uh, guests, and we appreciate you listening to us on this morning. Uh, we want to uh, say some things to encourage you, and we pray. Uh, that as we uh, come before you, that the words that we extend to you on behalf of God himself uh, will uh, be encouragement uh, to your lives. Uh, again, I want to also echo what Deacon Brown uh, stated earlier. Our prayers are extended to those families who are dealing with health issues and who have lost loved ones to the Gibbs family, to the Daly family, and to uh, the Warwick family. Uh, our uh, condolences and our prayers are extended uh, on your behalf. I was speaking with uh, J.K. on yesterday, and we was talking about uh, during this corona time how it has restricted us in so many ways, but God has found a way to still utilize Mountain View in mighty ways. And uh, although corona has, has done its job, uh, God is still in control. And Mountain View is still active. Uh, we want to extend an uh, appreciation to all those who came out on yesterday. Uh, we had about 25 or 30 volunteers who came out from Mountain View to uh, work with the mayor's uh, milk initiative as well as food giveaway. Uh, we've been trying to figure out how we can be utilized during this pandemic. We know that we, every Saturday, come up in here and we try to service this community, and God uses us in that way. And then God did something else for us. He tapped the mayor and reminded the mayor, hey, you have brothers and sisters there that can be utilized. And they reached out to us. And we're going to be doing some other things uh, as the summer presses on. And so we we'll look forward to extending those opportunities to the congregation to still be of service while in this pandemic. We still can do our part, uh, and I just want to remind us of that. Uh, as I said, as COVID-19 has had us captivated, and it has done a job, it has taken lives, it has done some extreme things, and it is a worthy adversary. But we also are reminded that during this time, racism has reared its ugly head again, reminded us that it is another adversary and to see uh, what is happening uh, in the world around us. It alarms us, but it also pushes us uh, closer uh, to God, yearn for us to remember who is in control at the end of the day that we serve a mighty God. And although some of us might want vengeance now, but God would have vengeance uh, in the end. And we have to be reminded of that uh, as children of God. Uh, we should be evolving and we should have evolved during this time uh, that we remember who God is in the midst of all of this chaos. Uh, 
I'm not going to be long, but I want to say some words about evolving in our worship uh, to God. Uh, you can go to Acts chapter 10, verse 9 uh, through 16, and uh, I'm going to uh, just give us some words of encouragement. Uh, what is what does it mean to evolve? It is it is it is simply uh, uh, mean from uh, from from simple to complex. From simple uh, to complex is 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 what evolving is all about. And I'm going to show us that as we develop as children of God, God is simply moving us from simplicity to complex. And I'm going to show us that in the Word of God. Uh, I can uh, I think about uh, uh, the, the plight of the caterpillar. Uh, it goes from simple to complex. Four stages of the caterpillar. Uh, it goes from uh, the simpleness of the caterpillar from its egg origin to uh, to the point where it develops as, as a worm and begin, and all it does is in that stage is eat. That's simple. It's, 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 it's easy to digest and just eat constantly, but then it moves from simple to complex. Well, where's the complexity of the development part of this evolution that happens? It happens in its cocoon stage. Uh, neither one of us witnesses the complexity that happens uh, beyond our eyesight, and God operates in complexity. And so uh, the caterpillar goes from simple to complex. Uh, children uh, watching uh, uh, my children grow remember the simple days. Those of us who are parents can remember the simple days. What are the simple days? Uh, when you can go to uh, Kroger's and buy them shoes, and they didn't care what kind of shoes uh, you put on their, on their feet. You can, you can be walking down the street, and you see an outfit, and you say, yeah, I like that. I'm going to dress them up uh, in that outfit, and you can get food, and, and you can put things before them, and, 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 and they didn't push it out of the way. They ate what you gave them. Those were simple Days when, when uh, you heard your child cry, you go and check them and find out if they're wet or they need to be changed or they need to be birthed or, or something that was very simple uh, in their developmental stage. They go from simple to complex. Uh, you all can relate to those days. Uh, uh, those days where things were just easy about child rearing and then all of a sudden that 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 simple child that was that was smile and make you laugh at, at any point begins to become a teenager now that simple it's now complex uh you can't drive to kroger's anymore and pick out their shoes or buy wally world as i call walmart and choose their items now you got to go to Nike and, 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 and finish slime and athletics and all these places. What used to cost you $5, now you're spending $100. Simple to complex. Uh, used to be able to slide anything in front of them to eat. Now they are selective in what they eat. That's from simple to complex. Uh, child rearing. Uh, growing up as uh, a member of the body of Christ, 
growing up in the Lord's church, it was simple when we were younger. Getting ready for Sunday school and putting on your clothing. All you had to do was get dressed, get in the car or on the bus or however you travel to worship service, go to Sunday school and be in church. It was simple things then. As you and I matured in the word of God, simple becomes complex. Now we have to worry about the politics of what church is all about. Simple times when you and I worship God. Just singing, got ready for the communion, and we was excited about those things when we were children. But as we grew, we see the complexity that happened in worship brings me to Acts 10, verse 9 through 16. And I won't be long and I'm going to take my seat, but from simple to complex, Peter had dealt with simple his entire life. Well, what was simple about Peter's existence? Being a Jew, there were things that were simple for Peter. Vital says that Peter is at uh, Simon's house and during this time, it is time for Peter uh, to go to prayer as he normally does. Three times a day, uh, Jews would pray and Peter goes up on top of, uh, of the house and begin his, as custom, merely he would, he begins to pray. And the Bible says that while Peter is praying, that God begins to operate on Peter. He begins to take him from what was simple to Peter to a complex situation. How do you know this, preacher? I'm going to show us because Peter, he did things that was easy to him. They were natural to him. Uh, Leviticus chapter 11, if you can go there, and I'm going to show us that Peter did things that were common to him. He was raised a certain way as a Jew. There were things that Peter did as a child, and it came easy to him. But all of a sudden, here God comes in the midst of Peter's prayer, and he began to show him something that used to be simple, and now it's going to be complex. Worship is about evolving. From, from, from a comfort zone to sometimes uncomfort. So here it is that Peter, and God is unfailing to Peter, things that Peter traditionally did. Anybody have uh, uh, Leviticus chapter, uh, uh, chapter 11 begin to read for me, starting at verse number 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses and to Aaron, saying unto them, Speak unto the children of Israel. Uh-huh. These are the beasts which ye shall eat among all the beasts. That here here is the simplicity of what Peter, Peter was a Jew. Peter understood and knew the restrictions and the dietary plan that as a young Jew, what was acceptable and what was unacceptable. Read, please. Whatsoever part of the hoof uh-huh. and is cloven-footed, and cheweth the cud among the beasts, that shall you eat. Keep reading. Nevertheless, these shall you not eat of them that chew the cud. Here it is. Watch now. Listen to this now. Come on, read, Carla. Or of them that divide the hoof. 
as the camel, because he cheweth the cud, but divideth not the hoof. He is unclean unto you. Now, just for time's sake, because I want to get a brother's, the other brother's opportunity to come up here and listen. If you get a chance, read Leviticus chapter 11 and also Matthew chapter 10 and verse number 5. Peter is in the process of going from what was simple to now what is complex. And what is going to transpire is that God is preparing Peter to deal with the evolution of his worship. Well, what do you mean, preacher? Peter knew that there were things unclean. And now God said, listen, God begins to show him a vision of all types of animals and all types of different meats. And God said, Peter, prepare these meats. Peter said, what? Now, I know there are things that I, as a Jew, am not allowed to eat. Why? Because it is unclean. Peter said, listen, you're talking about reptiles and pigs and things. No, I was raised a certain way. So as a Jew, it was simple to me. And, and now you are talking about things that I am uncomfortable with that now I have to develop a comfort for. What are you saying now, Peter? God is saying, listen, uh, I know that you know uh, that as the customs and the laws and the traditions of the Jews, there were restrictions in place. There were fellowship restrictions in place. Uh, you couldn't go into uh, uh, the place uh, uh, where Samaritans were. You couldn't go into the house of Gentile because they were unclean because of the food they prepared. There were restrictions in place. And now God comes and said, listen, I'm tearing down these walls. Can you imagine how hard and difficult that was for Peter evolving in our worship? It's not always an easy transformation for all of us. If I'll be honest myself, it took me uh, some time to get used to evolution in worship service. Grew up very conservative and and, and there were things that, that, I was, that I was conditioned and that I was used to, not biblically, but it was just part of our traditions and part of our customs. And so all of a sudden, I began to see things that made me very uncomfortable. But it was not scripturally uncomfortable. It was just, it was customs and traditionally uncomfortable for me. Here it is that I had to begin to digest and study the word of God and what was simply things that I held on to because I was raised a certain way and I saw things a certain way. Now all of a sudden what was simple is now complex. That's what evolution is all about. It evolves. And now here it is in Acts chapter 10, uh, verse number 9 through 16. God is getting ready and said, Peter, I know that you don't like fellowshipping with the Gentile. I know you don't want to go into that household, but I am preparing you and I am showing you I'm about to take you from simple to complex. What was easy for you? Imagine now I'm telling you that pig that you didn't, that you knew was unclean. Go ahead, oh! Carve him up. 
make some bacon and pork chops with him. Yeah, reptiles and all other types of things that you saw as unclean. I'm telling you, it's all right to eat now, Peter. Here it is, Jesus takes this veil down and removes the obstacles that caused Peter to prevent him from being able uh, to go and fellowship with the Gentiles, even if they worship God because of his Jewish customs and law. We're not saying that it's an easy transformation from simple to complex. But as you and I develop in our worship with God, we have a better appreciation when you and I go from simple to complex. I don't know how long it might take you to get from simple to complex. We don't have a timer for when you need to get there. But as you evolve, you should eventually get there. I just wanted to encourage us that from simple to complex. Peter had difficulties, but he eventually got there then the expectation is for you and I to go from simple to complex. God bless you. First off, I just want to just say thank you to Brother Andre simple to, to complex and it was also some frugal or cheap to expensive praise God uh, as we grow as we mature and as we as we evolve in worship I just want to speak on when worship becomes difficult. As we as we go through this uh, uh, through this series, and as we cap this series off, there are there Mountain View. I know you are a learned congregation. I know that we have been we've been taught a whole lot. We understand that there are different even different words for worship. We have we have a word called proskuneo, and it means to 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 kiss toward God. We have we have something called sebazamai, uh, and it means to honor religiously. We have yusobeo, uh, and that simply means to act piously toward. This morning, I wanna, I wanna just touch on the aspect of uh, what's called letreo, and it simply means to render service through religious homage. And in Philippians chapter three, at verse number one through verse number three, I want to pull on something really quick. Paul writes, and he says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me, it's not grievous, 
But for you, it is safe. He says, beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers because of the concision or the division or the issues that folk are having. He says, but for we, speaking of us as, as the church, he says, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit. He recognizes that when it comes down to what we will call corporate worship, there's a difference between corporate worship and private worship. When we come together collectively, that is our corporate worship. When we come together collectively, we are coming really simply to do what we've been doing privately all week, just we do it together. I believe that might be part of the reason why when we, when we come together collectively, some of us have attitude because we ain't been doing it. But he says, which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ and have no confidence in the flesh. No confidence in the flesh because flesh will Flesh will let you down. Folk in, folk in the flesh, they'll cause worship to be difficult for you. When I look at the incidents that have taken place with, within recent times, and I'm not, please hear me, I am not going against anything that has been said because I believe in following the directives of what my preacher has laid out. But I have to be honest. I have to be honest. I have to preach those things which I am convicted of. So don't hear this as an act of rebellion. Hear this, hear this from the spirit of love as I share with you simply for correction, but I may have on there was a woman named Brianna Taylor. She was shot and killed in her Louisville, Kentucky home by police who were executing a search warrant. They forced their way in. and They came in under what's called a no-knock warrant, meaning that police didn't have to announce themselves. And the woman and her boyfriend thought that they were being burglarized, and so they fired at the officers who returned fire. They, uh, they shot 20 shots into the apartment. Taylor, who she was 26, she was shot eight times, and the boyfriend, Kenneth Walker, who was 27, he was arrested and charged with assault and attempted murder on a police officer, but Brianna lost her lives in the gunfire. The problem is that the search warrant was executed on the wrong house. And in response, people, people may have said to pray, but I have to stand here honestly before you and tell you that prayer does not work. Thank you for being silent as I look before you. Prayer in and of itself Ahmad Aubrey, 25, was shot in Brunswick, Florida on that 
February 23rd, as he was running through the Satilla Shores neighborhood, he had stopped at a house uh, that was that was being worked on and residents of the area thought that he was committing a crime so they chased him in the truck and they confronted him and they shot and they killed him and many others had gone into the same residence but this man was shot and killed and many people will will call for prayer but prayer does not work do you do you remember atiana jefferson she was shot dead by police through her bedroom window in the early hours of a Saturday morning after a request uh, came in to the Fort Worth uh, Police Department. She was there with her eight-year-old nephew and a neighbor had called a non-emergency police number after growing concerned that her front door was open all night. And even though uh, 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 many said that uh, after she was shot and killed that we need to pray, I'm reminding you. work. We're facing a pandemic even now, and it's, it has us worshiping online and facing a new norm, and yes, we are praying, but prayer in and of it, prayer does not work. Last night, rioters and looters and protesters went ham from Los Angeles to New York in protest, frustrated. Another straw and another camel's back has been broken yet again. George Floyd was murdered by Minneapolis police. Four officers restrained him while he was on the ground and not resisting, he died while repeating the words, I can't breathe, the same words that were used by Eric Garner when police choked the life from him for supposedly selling loose cigarettes. The officers in this case were never even charged and the attorney general ordered that the, that the case be dropped. Pray, you say? Prayer does not work. Now, before you run off thinking that Brother Jones has lost his mind. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to turn around and see how hot the preachers got. Amen. <laughs> but understand, I'm not telling you not to pray. Praise God. Because we need to pray. You need to pray. I need to pray. But don't pray because it works. Pray because it reveals. Prayer, it ties into the fabric of our walk with God because it is injected into the bloodstream of our lives as children of God through the revelatory aspect of this thing that we call faith. When we pray, we're asking God to reveal what we need to see in order for us to know what it is that we need to do and work on because we work God reveals. Prayer. No revelation, no revelation, no understanding, no understanding, no work. Our preacher dropped a gem on us in a series that we talked about prayer and worship, and 
He said to look for situations after the prayer to give you confirmations about your prayers. Do you remember? But here we, here we are now in the study as we conclude on worship. And I don't mean to sound controversial, but I talked about uh, mutuo, and it means to worship basically corporately. I'll be honest, there's times that I don't even feel like worshiping corporately. We are, we are in a house that we, we believe in sharing and shedding truth. I'm just being honest. I don't feel like worshiping all the time. But God, the God that I serve is omnipotent. And not only is he all-powerful, but he is omnipresent, meaning that God is everywhere. So I couldn't help but wonder, where is the Lord in these, in these situations? And I took my frustration to God. God said, you come to me in prayer. Let me reveal some stuff to you. As I asked God, Lord, where are you? He seemed to, to shut my mouth. And he said, you're asking the wrong question. Because I'm omnipresent. It's not, where am I? The question is, where am I not? When those men stood around, the officers, and they yelled, stop, he's had enough. God said, that was my voice. When they said, when they said, take, take your knee off of his neck, God said, that's not just you, that's how I feel. Because God reveals himself to us, through us at times. And there are times when we make cries as children of God. God is saying, I'm right there with you because your voice is my voice as well. And what it's about, what it's about isn't just necessarily how you may feel. Because though you may not feel, like worshiping. I'm thankful to God that he says to me that you worship me not based on how you feel. Worship me because of who I am. Yes, you see the injustice. Yes, you see the things that ought not be. But God is saying and he's showing that in as much as you have issue with it, I take that same issue with it. Can I be honest? One more thing, praise God. In frustration, in frustration and in trying to understand and be better, to be better children of God, God says to be like me in all that you do. Be loving, be kind, be merciful, be understanding, be giving. Be benevolent. 
all of these attributes as we look at this thing that we call systematic theology. All of these things tie into the character and the nature of the God that we serve. But God also says that there is one aspect as to who I am that I do not want you to be. Be kind, be loving, be merciful, be understanding, but when it comes down to vengeance, that's mine. And because that belongs to me, let me meet out that vengeance which you wish to give out. So Lord, my issue is, is that there are times in which I'm trying to be everything that you would have me to be, but I have the proclivity to run to the very first thing that you said for me not to be. And Lord, I need help with it. Because there are times when I do want to give vengeance. But God says, because it belongs to me, you sit your narrow behind down and you let me take care of that which belongs to me. So, so, so please understand little nappy-haired child of mine, that in your frustration, your cries are also my cries. In your frustration, your pleas are also my pleas. In your frustration, the things that you don't understand, though I understand, I know what it is that you are going through. And in your frustration, you just remember, let me take care of those things that I need to take care of. You take care of the things that you need to take care of. You better worship me not because of the stuff that I give you, but worship me because of who I am. Who are you, Lord? I am. Any and everything you need, God says, I've got it all covered. I am. I am bread. When you are hungry, when you are in darkness, I am the light. When you are hurt, I am your healer. When you don't understand, I'm your knowledge. When you are fearful, I am your comforter. I am everything that you need. Worship me. Your pleas are my pleas because I share in them right there with you. So don't be discouraged. And it's not just about being better in the by and by. I believe that's one of the things that people are frustrated with even now because they don't understand when you say that it's going to get better in the by and by. They think that you're telling them to take a passive stance at, uh, 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 with those things that we are frustrated with. But it's not about taking a passive stance. We're not standing by doing nothing, but it's about having enough restraint and having enough sense to know that when you can't take care of it, God says, I can. And as long as I trust in him, I have to trust him when I can't trace him. But as long as I remain trustworthy, and as long as I remain trusting, God says that I'll take care of you even when it is difficult for you to worship. God bless you.
Good morning. It's good to be here this morning. It's good to see all those who are here. Let us continue to pray for one another as we uh, continue to try to uh, do the best that we can in the conditions that we have, especially as not to get those who are elderly and those who are studying. I want to look at what we have been studying in John chapter 4. We all know the story, so I won't bother much about reading much of it. But we know the story about the woman at the well. met Jesus. It is said that the conversation that the woman had with Jesus at the well is the longest recorded conversation that Jesus had with anyone. Even his disciples. But just by the length of the conversation with the woman at the well indicates to us how important this passage written by John is. We know that Jesus was on his way to Galilee. Verse 4, he says, there is a need that I go through Samaria. We know that Jews and Samaritans did not get along. We knew that Samaritan and Jews did not mingle or socialize with one another. But Jesus had to go through Samaria because Jesus had made an appointment about the sixth hour with a woman at a well about some water and some worship. Let me say that again. He had to go through Samaria because he had made an appointment about the sixth hour about at a well with a woman about some water in some worship. Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege it is to carry oh, everything to God in prayer. Uh, Jesus had an appointment with this woman because he had a problem with the water. He had a problem 
with the woman, and he had the problem with the worship. Jesus shows up in uh, about the sixth verse, and the Samaritan woman gets to the well about the seventh verse. Jesus had a problem with the water because of the source of the water. It was Jacob's well. And whoever drank of that water will thirst again. Uh, this is the reality of all of what the world has to offer. It does not last. Anything the world has to offer cannot and do not satisfy the soul of men. Jesus said, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whoever drinks of the water that the world gives will be thirsty again. But whosoever drink of that living water that Jesus gives will thirst no more. He had a problem with the water, but he also had a problem with the woman. In verse 10, Jesus offered her living water. Jesus said, I mean, the lady, the woman said, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither I come hither to draw. She said to Jesus, give me uh, this water so I don't have to again and so that I don't have to come and bring my buckets and draw from this well again. Jesus says to her go call your husband. She said I have no husband. Jesus said thou hast well said thou hast have had five husbands, and the one that you have is not yours. Jesus wanted to take her back down memory lane and remind her that she has some skeletons in her closet. We all have skeletons in our closet. And before we can recognize how great of a savior Jesus is, we must first recognize how great of a sinner we are. The Hebrew writer encouraged us to lay aside every weight in sin which does so easily beset us and let us run this patient with patient the race that is set before us. Looking into Jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith. This woman has been trying to find satisfaction in earthly things. She had five husbands, and the one she has now is not a husband. She had problem with the water. She had problem with he had problem with the water. He had problem with the woman, but also he had problem with her worship. Verse twenty. The woman said, our father worship in this mountain. Ye said that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. But the hour cometh that 
And that is when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God was not happy with her idea of worship because God cannot be confined to a place or a location. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I'm reminded of the first sons of Adam and Eve. They both brought gifts to God. But God was only pleased with able gifts because Cain brought his gift out of obligation. He felt like he had a duty to worship him. He, he felt since God had given to him, he was obligated to give back to God. We ought not feel like we are obligated to worship God. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Even though God has done everything for us that we could not do for ourselves, we ought not worship him out of obligation. But we ought to be like Cain, brother, Abel, and bring the best we have because of the faith and the admiration we have for God. For he is worthy of our praise. He says in John 14, chapter, verse number 6, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Verse 25, the woman said unto him, I know that the Messiah cometh, which is called the Christ. When he come, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I am he. In other words, Jesus said, the one that you're looking for, you're looking at. And the one that you're talking about, you are talking to. I am he. The woman then, the Bible said, left a water pot, went her way back into the city and said to the people of the city, come see a man. There's no better way to, that we can worship God, then letting the world, the word of God hurt our souls. So it would cause us to go into the villages and tell men, women, boys, and girls to come see a man that has told me all that I ever done. She went back into the village, and I can imagine she went by uh, the, 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 the electric company and said, come see a man who is the light of the world. Yeah. I can imagine she went to the grocery store and said, come see a man who is the bread of life. Yes, I can imagine she went down to the undertaker place and yeah. said, come see a man that once died, but now he liveth again. Yeah. I can imagine she went down to tell her family to come see a man that told her all about the things that she has ever done. Isn't this not the Christ? Come see a man. There's nothing more we can do than let the world know 
about this man that is called Jesus. He can change you. He can evolve you. He can make you be better than anything that the world can cause you to be. Come see a man. The Bible says that later on they believed because of her words. But when they came to see Jesus, they no longer believed because of her words, but they believed because of the word of Jesus. You see, when we are connected to the word of God, we no longer need nobody else to witness for us. But we are witnesses ourselves. We are to evolve in Christ. We are to become what Christ would have us to become and not what the world would want us to be. Romans chapter 12. In verse number one. The Bible says, I beseech ye, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, by evolving, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable in the perfect will of God want to remind you this morning to be all that Christ would have you to be. And the only way that we can do that is that we lay aside every weight that so easily that it sit us and that let us serve him as he would have us to. Thank you. Good morning, church. It's not my intention to hold you long. Uh, as I know we, all those out there in TV land may, may be feeling uh, the length of the duration of, of, uh, of this vocal presentation. Uh, it is my hope that there's still some preach left in this pulpit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As I know, we've gone through <laughs> several speakers. In John, the fourth chapter, verse 21, it says, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him. And I will manifest myself to him. The last few weeks, we here in Mountain View have been looking to evolve in our understanding of worship. 
Our current status within uh, the confines of the COVID-19 pandemic forces us to examine the practices uh, that we implement under the auspices of worship and to truly question what we define as the church and what we define as worship. That is, if what we collectively as churches of the Christ present to our parishioners are true to the framework, are true to the original of which the original architect had intended, or have we merely pinched a tent full of semblances to quench the emotional driven hermeneutical liturgy that, that fills our, our hearts? We have come to understand and know that there are various expressions of worship within the New Testament. Our familiarity with Romans 12, 1 through 2, as the Roman writer writes, tells us about Lutreo, our, our spiritual service, that is, uh, the, the service as we render while under the, the service of, of Christ Jesus. In my role as a husband, in our roles as a wife, in, in my role as a father, that I am rendering up spiritual services, even in my role as a, as a contributor to my community, I am engaged in Lutreo. It is mentioned over 21 times within the New Testament. But here recently, we've been diving into the account of the woman at the well where Jesus said in John 4 and 24, he says, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The word, translate, the word worship is translated as proskuneo, which is to, to kiss, to adore, to, to bow over in obedience, that is, to be on one's knees and have one's head bowed down and hands stretched forward in adoration. To say that you must worship God in spirit means that it originates from within. From the heart, it must be sincere and motivated out of our love and out of gratitude for what God is doing and what he has always done for us. True worship is not, mechanic, it's not mechanical. It's not formalistic. True worship engages the heart in its infections and in its afflictions. The totality of our being being emptied in the moment to encounter God. But any affection or feeling, emotion stirred up by the error of false doctrine is just worthless worship. Jesus presses the issue by quoting the prophet Isaiah when he says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. To say that we must worship in truth demands that we must use the framework of scripture in building the spiritual altar on which we lay our sacrifices. Worship is designed to usher man into a place where we can experience the presence of God. True worship always allows man to encounter God, thereby creating a change in him. To leave speaking of the goodness of God is to recognize within himself his own brokenness. You cannot encounter God and not you cannot encounter God truly and not leave either talking about the goodness of God in your life or recognizing the brokenness within your own spirit. When God encounters people, as when he called out to the disciples in, in Luke 5, Peter had recognized his own brokenness, noticing that he was a sinful man. Today, we engage in worship with heavy hearts. Many are angry, and, and rightfully so, it was Martin Luther King who said, a riot is the language of the unheard. And I stand before you today to say that we stand with the protesters of this nation. 
We do not condone the, vi the violence that is taking place as we know it detracts from the message that needs to be heard that racism at any level. Violence perpetuated against a person for any reason is wrong. But I want you to know that just like the widow of man, you may be in the midst of the crowd protesting in downtown Dallas or in the streets of Minnesota and Minneapolis San Francisco and LA and afar. And you may be feeling that you're carrying out the last of all your hopes and dreams. And I want you to know that Jesus sees you in the midst of the crowd. Maybe you're Zacchaeus and you're just standing from afar, just taking it all in and you're looking to see where is Jesus in the midst of all this. I want you to know that Jesus sees you too. He sees you. Or maybe you're like most of the collective religious bodies that fill our churches or fill our internet halls every Sunday. Just like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, who themselves were sad. It says that all the while they were walking and talking these things about Jesus the Christ, is that Jesus himself was walking with them concerning the scriptures concerning himself. And just like those disciples, we are gathered here, we are discussing the scriptures, many of us, but some of us don't understand what the scriptures are truly teaching us. And because of that, we have a bad theology. You know, a bad theology makes for a sad religion. Scriptural ignorance gives way to poor liturgy or poor worship service. Because we fail to understand the scripture. It is easy to engage in praying without communicating. It's easy to give without sacrificing. It's easy to sing songs without having love in our hearts because of the, of the poor theology that we have embraced. It's easy to commune with no relationship. I want you to understand that it wasn't until the breaking of bread with the master that their understanding of the scripture it wasn't until that woman had actually embraced Jesus as the Messiah that she walked away not talking about where her fathers had worshipped or where the Jews were worshipping, but she was talking about the man. She said, come see the man. And anybody that encourages Christ will walk away not talking about the church that they were at, not talking about what type of practice that they engaged in, but they'll walk away talking about the man and what he has done in their life and what he is doing. the relationship where he says that he that loveth my commandments the framework of our altar he that keepeth them the framework of our altar it is he that loves me and you're saying preacher that's great but where is it that I see Jesus he says he that keepeth my commandments I will manifest them I will reveal myself you see, you have to understand that when Jesus was walking and talking with these disciples concerning the scriptures regarding himself, their eyes were closed and they did not recognize, they did not see Jesus who they were confirmed disciples. But it wasn't until they actively invited him. It wasn't until they engaged in a relationship with him and he took their bread and he broke it and he gave it to them. 
that their eyes were open. But notice what happens. Remember I said that whenever man encounters God, a change takes place within them. A change takes place within that person that changes them to recognize the goodness of Christ, to recognize that he lives, or to recognize one's brokenness. You see, these disciples, they were not gathered with the, with the rest of the church in Jerusalem. They were, a matter of fact, they were going in the opposite direction. They had left the fellowship. But it wasn't until the, the abode with Christ, like he says in Revelations 3 and 20, says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He that will open the door, I will come in and I will sup with him. True worship is experienced by breaking bread with Christ. The scripture tells us that when he was at the table with them, he took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it and he gave it to them and he said, and they said to each other, were not our hearts burning with us? While he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures together, they were saying, the Lord has risen in the, indeed. It says they got up and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and their companions gathered there. Mountain View and everyone that's joining us today. True worship is not defined by the formalities that we use to create and manufacture what we call worship. But true worship takes place. When one, when man allows himself to embrace the word of God, thereby establishing a relationship with God, allowing his presence to be known, allowing him to be changed for the better. Maybe you're engaged with us here this morning and you're looking for a true experience. Not that stuff that, that, that it gives you all the feels, but we know that the human heart is deceitful among all things. But you're looking to be connected. You're looking to be connected to something bigger than just yourself. Become a part of the fellowship. Become a part of the church. If you desire to be baptized, we have people that can arrange that for you. Maybe you're just in need of prayer. The scripture says the prayers of the righteous avail as much. All you have to do is reach out. Open your door. Stop treating Jesus as a guest in your home and allow him to become the host of your life.